0: Turn in your Bibles, will you, to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. When I, when I first, I was raised in church. My dad was a pastor for 32 years in a uh, denominational church. And, um, man, he was a good preacher, really. I, you know, I wish I could preach like my dad. Um. Because he, you know, he was like a T.D. Jakes, you know. I mean, you know, he'd preach and people would run the aisles. And I was in one service and he was preaching. 78 people in the building jumped up on their feet and got filled with the Holy Spirit in the middle of his message. Never laid hands on anybody. But he was a terrible pastor, he wasn't called the pastor he was called for evangelism but back then you didn't know all that stuff you know there wasn't a lot of teaching on evangelist pastor prophet and all that stuff and the denomination we were in it wasn't like the five-fold ministry was a real thing now they believed in it but it wasn't like you discussed it or dealt with it and so I'd watch my dad could preach like nobody's business and he had an anointing for that and the the outcome was wonderful when he would preach but when he had to administer to people and be an administrator he was just awful And, uh, you know, I I just, I never felt that in my spirit. I never had a call to be an evangelist. Now, I play the piano, I sing and all that stuff. And back then, you know, you learned all that stuff. And you were kind of following the footsteps of guys who had done that kind of thing. And so I, um, you know, I I was drawn that way simply because of what I know religiously. But something was going on in my spirit. And I knew that God had a call on me that I didn't, it was different. And the Lord put me in a church under what, what I think, in my opinion, certainly for me, um, you know, my dad being a father in the faith, but I had a father in the faith, and Pastor Reggie, my pastor in Lakeland, and he was a pastor. I mean, that's what he was called to do. That's what he was. And when God put me under him, there was something I was supposed to learn there. There's, I couldn't. I can't explain it. There was just something there that was supposed to be imparted me. Well, it was. And and in that place, I, there was a, an impartation of something that God had intended. For me to get and it was to be a pastor and I knew the first day the pastoral gift had landed on me I walked up on the platform on 30 uh, over on uh, Palmetto Street in our first building stood up there for the first day when I walked behind the pulpit it was like a uh, like a sheet or a blanket came down over me can't explain it all I know to do is tell you there was something that covered me that wasn't me when you come to a church, this is, and I want to talk about the church today because I want you to understand, I really do believe every believer needs to be connected firmly to a church. I believe that. Today we live in a society where everybody wants to do it online, they want to watch five minutes of this, four minutes of that, nine minutes of that, watch a song at this church and you're mixing and mix, kind of putting together this mess and most, most people aren't watching online services for the full online hour or whatever it is. They're just engaging where they can, you know, again, the Bible says it this way, they'll, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We always thought that would be a guy in the pulpit that just scratched them the right way. But it's more than that now. Now it's, we can, we can find people and we can like it, and then when it gets to what we don't like, doop. Because the Bible says that we were given the word for correction for, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, several different things, but... Uh, you know the the only thing that we want is to be edified we just want the edifying part but a church is a place where we have accountability it brings accountability to our lives it 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 should be you know um interaction with people the other day i just they may not know this but i brought the band in and we haven't really met each other i got to take them out for dinner so we can go eat go eat some steak he said yeah but i didn't just bring them in to talk about easter i want to spend time with them I care about these guys. I actually care about their life. I care about their futures. I want them to find mates that that are right. I want them to find relationships with their children. I don't just care about his piano. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I love his piano. But I love him more. What's his future? Where is he going to go? I've tried to hang on to people, and God just has people that come, and they're here for a season, and we, we thank God for all those kinds of things, but the church is a place where to be built up together. You know, some people that come to a church are nothing more than scaffolding. Now, that sounds awful, but they come for seasons. There have been people throughout the years that have come, and during seasons of time, they came and helped us produce things seasonally, but they weren't permanent. And then there are other people that God has planted that are permanent. You ought to identify some of that in yourself and get an idea of what God wants to do with you because some of you God called to make money, to be rich, really rich. Look at it, it got quiet. All of a sudden it got silent. And God called you to be a financier of the kingdom of God, to be able to supply the need. Some of you were called to be plumbers, carpenters, greeters. Ushers, Don't get mad if God called you to be an usher and not be rich. That's right. <laughs> Here's what I found. Listen, this is really what I found out about serving God is when you do God's will, you are rich. I, I, my house is filled with the riches and the blessings of the Lord. And I promise you, it's not about dollars and cents. I don't care where I've got a pinch. I don't care what I've got to do. Serving God is at the top of the priority list. And when I serve God, I'm rich. I'm not working for this world anyway. That's the real truth of it. I'm not here for just this. I'll take this. He'll give us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. He's not leaving us out. He's not leaving out things I want you to be, uh, 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 you know, have more than enough. Right? Amen. But here's the deal. It's not for just today. Family Worship Center is not just Sunday. It is a body of Christ. It's a real body, a real figure of Christ that God put together, a body he's connected and fitted us together, and he keeps fitting the pieces in where the needs are because he has a plan for your life. I want you to look at your name and say, God has a real plan for you. He has a real plan for you. A real plan for you. And as you continue to, to work to surface that plan, one of the things that I've found that works is finding a great church with a good pastor. Now, I'm going to pat myself on the back. Pat me on the back. Brother, just, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm a good pastor. You are a good pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to wear a tie today. I actually did. Normally, I just wear something, you know, but I felt like being preacherly. Does it look pre- Do I look preacherly today? Do I have a. Thank you. I feel preacherly. I feel it. Somebody that teaches you the word, that teaches you things. And like I said, I grew up in a house where they they walked in the light that they had. And all the light that they had, it almost seemed half the time like God was. Not just your friend, but he was always beating you up or taking things away or, or, or stopping you from doing things. Or, you know, if you made a mistake, he had a bat and he was going to smack you in the head. You know, and if you lost something, God was trying to teach you. You know, like if God you, you know, had struggles somewhere in your life and your car got taken away by the bank, you're like, well, God took away my car so I can learn to walk with him. <laughs> I mean, these are, these are real stories. Truth. This is how people believe. And, and I, you know, that's kind of the way we grew up. You just didn't understand. And then I found out that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. On my very worst day. Did you, now think about this. On the very worst day of your life when you were not saved, not serving God, Christ died for you. He didn't die for the perfect or the perfection. He didn't die for those who had it right and all together. He died for the sinner and the person who didn't know him. And he loved him anyway. Amen. God loves us more than we love ourselves. He cares for us more than we care for ourselves. He wants more for us than we want for ourselves. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says it this way, It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. When you wonder why so-and-so is still alive and he's a drug addict and an alcoholic and he's 95 years old, your mother died at 80 and you don't understand, why is that 95-year-old man still alive? Because God loves him so much that one more day, one more day, and he loves you that much, that one more day, one more moment, one more breath. Woo! Come on, somebody. You say, why do you serve God? Why do you go to church for one more day? For one more blessing, for one more, because God loves me so much. I want you to look at your name and say, man, God really, really, really loves you. Look, it don't matter if the world's rejected you. People turned you out. People said no to you. People, it doesn't matter what they've said. God said you're his son. God said he loves you. God says you're more than you ever imagined. God says you're good enough because the righteousness that you have didn't come from you. You're not righteous because of who you are. You're righteous because of who he is. Somebody ought to say thank God for that. That's why even when you make a mistake, he's faithful and just. Aren't you glad to know you're walking through your day, you blow it over here, you make a mistake over here, you say the wrong thing here, you're mad at somebody over here, you acted the wrong way, and you go to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? You know what he does? He forgives you. We're in the house of God because we want to, we, we, you know, one of, one of the very first reasons that we are in the house of God, why is the, the house of God an awesome place? Why is it awesome? Because of this, it says this: for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, to the piercing, even uh, to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. This should help you see that your soul and spirit are two different things, and the word will pierce them, will, can sever them. So you're a spirit, you have a body, and you have a soul. Spirit, soul, and body—that's who you are. And it's showing us. But listen to this: it said piercing and dividing asunder, soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. And is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. One of the reasons we come to church is to hear the preaching of the word. I did not know of all the benefits. I just didn't know the benefit. I didn't know there were just so many benefits. You know, when you look at the word of God, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a benefit. Healing is a benefit prosperity is a benefit. I mean, I could just keep on going, but the great are his benefits. The Lord supplies us daily with benefits. Now, where you work, you want the best benefit. You want the best pay. You want the best this, the best that, the best the other. You want vacations. You want benefits. In the house of God, there are benefits. Now, some of you came from churches that don't teach any of what I just said. All they teach is the cross, get saved, and it's over. That's the bare minimum of saved. Is we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart the Lord Jesus, and we're saved. So you're going to heaven because you've confessed. And you believe you live a Christian life. You're walking according to the word in terms of you know, your, your, your uh, activity. And so you've got the minimum. But my, uh, you know, do you want to be sick? I haven't been sick very much in my life. Just a couple of times uh you know uh, my parents had my tonsils taken out when i was little don't remember it uh i think i had a toothache once they pulled the tooth or something uh in 2020 i think i might have gotten covid i never got tested i didn't die i'm good so I shout out amen it wasn't that I was afraid of being tested, and I'm not afraid of vaccinations and all that stuff. I'm proud of every one of you that did that. And I didn't stay home because, you know, uh, or whatever. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a man thing with me, and I didn't go, which was probably dumb. You, you with me? But I lived. <laughs> Somebody don't shout out, amen. Least he lived. Amen. Um, you know, uh, I found out I had high blood sugar, uh, you know, a form of diabetes. Not diabetes. What is that? Sugar 2 or something? Uh, hypertension 2. What is it called? Type 2 something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they gave me metformin. Does anybody here take metformin? You take metformin? What, are you afraid? What do you think if you confess you take metformin? Listen, I pray every time I take it. In Jesus' name, this works. Oh. <laughs> it better work. Somebody ought to say amen. Now, I'm not saying I'm not believing to get off the metformin, but I think I've got another 50 to go. You understand? I'm still a little overweight, but I need to take some of this off. Now, I've taken off 52, but... How I many know there's a little bit more for Steve McCart to do? We get so religious with this stuff. All of a sudden, oh, my God. He takes Metformin? Yes, I do. <laughs> What's wrong with a little help? That's why God gave us doctors. Somebody ought to shout out Amen. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, if you get in law trouble, you better go see a lawyer. If your plumbing breaks, you better get you a plumber. Amen. If your electricity goes bad, you better find you an electrician. Amen. The church is a place where we get the word. And the word is supernatural. It works with the natural to make it super. I have supernatural help from the Word of God. I can do supernatural things with the Word of God. It's sharp. It's quicker. It's more powerful. And I get deliverance by the Word of God. No, I don't want to stay. Listen, here's what I know. Listen, this is real truth, real preaching. You ready? I'm believing God to get off metformin. I'm believing they're going to diagnose me. Yep, and if I get to heaven with it, still taking metformin, when I get there, I won't. I'll be healed there. Okay, say whatever you want to. I mean, you, we act like it's got to happen right here, right now, right this minute. And we ought to believe that way. We ought to stand and believe that way. And many things have happened in my life just like that. But let's live life with the help of God. And realize that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above. Listen, every time your heart beats, boom, boom, even if it's with a, 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 one of them things they put in you, pacemaker, you ought to shout every day. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And most... It won't be there in heaven. That's why I shout right now for my healing, even if it's in heaven. Oh, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not getting enough church shouting right now. Oh, I know what you want me to say. Everybody's going to get up every wheelchair. Every Does God want everybody to get out of a wheelchair? Yes. Does God want everybody's heart beating right? Yes leave it at that i don't know why i do know that we have some things to do with it i know why i got sugar cheesecake (laughs) had nothing to do with god or the devil how many know sometimes it isn't the devil well the devil's been chasing me around sitting on my shoulder kick him off (laughs) don't let him stay on your shoulder he's not supposed to talk to you don't keep these things. Amen. Keep walking in hell. If it takes a little while to get there, just keep plowing away. Just keep plowing the field. Just keep speaking the word. Keep believing the word. Keep, keep honoring the word. And just say, Lord, I thank you that I'm going to get it here. And if I don't, I'm going to get it there. I thank you that I'm going to get it here. And if I don't, I'm going to get it there. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know. I, I just, like I said, I grew up in religious circles and. It was almost like you just couldn't, you couldn't get to the point where you understood that God was good all the time and all the time he was good because it was so confusing. You couldn't understand that the blessings of the Lord make rich and add no sorrow. That You couldn't understand that he became poor, that through his poverty you could have rich. You couldn't understand that by Jesus stripes you're healed. But every one of those things is true. Every one of those things is real. Every one of those things is exactly what God wants for you. That you walk in his blessings from day to day. That you walk in his goodness from day to day. That you walk in honoring God. And that your life is like a great big billboard for God that says God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. So anyway, I mean, we stayed, you know, and, and this is the thing. You can stay wherever you want to. When John came to Jesus and said to him, are you the one or should we look for another? Jesus said, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, and I proclaim the, 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 the acceptable year of the Lord. I preach. We can see in Acts 10.30, it went about doing good, healing all those who were sick and oppressed of the devil. If I want to know what God looks like. Jesus was every bit God. Everything he said was every bit God. Everything he did was by the instruction of the Holy Spirit. He was, he was led by, followed, and did what God does. He was, is, and still, and will always be God. If I want to know what God looks like, boy, if I could have just put this together, if I could have just gathered this information, I just look at Jesus. And when I look at Jesus, I never have read, seen, nowhere did Jesus put sickness on anybody ever. I'm just going to help you a little bit. Just want you to get it. Never. I never see it. You can't read it. It isn't described. It isn't prescribed. It isn't told. He didn't confess it. He didn't say this is what you do. He went about doing good, healing all those sick and oppressed of the devil. Jesus is the same. He was. He is. You want to know what God looks like? He's not wrecking your car so you can know better. Not tearing up your children so you can know him. I have three kids. For all three of them, I do not want them to get hit by a truck. I don't. But I have never walked them in the street to experience it so they can know how not to get hit by a truck. Could you imagine if I took my son, I walked him out the street, and I took him out there and said, Now, son! I want you to understand that trucks are dangerous and they're very hurtful. And if you stand in front of this truck, it's going to hurt you. Now stand right here. And when you get hit by that truck, you're going to know. And I'll take you to the hospital. We'll bandage you up and we'll keep you alive. And then when you recover, you'll know never to step in front of a truck again. If I did that, they would put me in jail. They would call me a child abuser. Come on, somebody. To suggest that God would act that way towards us and take us out in the middle of a street and have us run over by trucks or or tear us up at our job or destroy us with friendships and relationships or, or, or allow evil to come on us is a wrong perception of a God that we see in Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to look at somebody right now and say, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. If you lost your motorcycle and they took it away because of some reason like you, you, you didn't pay your bills, it's because you bought something you shouldn't have bought or you didn't have a good enough job and they should have taken it because you owed them the money. Oh, it is good. Let me just stand over here. You're saying it's a good word. I feel good about that. It makes me feel wonderful. I mean, you ought to ask God if you should buy it before you buy it. Lord, I want that motorcycle. I really want that. You got all kind of ego. I gotta go get me a motorcycle. I gotta ride that motorcycle. Give me get my Harley. I gotta give me a street glide, baby. I gotta get that, baby. I gotta ride. <laughs> then you gotta go buy you some uniform. You gotta go buy the, the the Harley leather jacket and the Harley pants and you gotta go get the Harley shirt and you got the Harley hat on the Harley motorcycle and you can't pay for it. Some of y'all got $200 cable. Oh, I am teaching. Oh, I know, this is what church is all about. You better know what church is all about. And you wonder, I don't know why I can't pay my rent. Stop paying the cable. you smoking four packs of cigarettes a day wondering why God ain't blessing you. I don't know why I got lung cancer because it says it on the box. This is really good preaching because I know everybody wants to come to church and I say, yes, the Lord is good and you're going to heaven and everything's great and everything's wonderful and everything's going wonderful and he's taking care of you and if anything goes wrong, it's his fault. It's not his fault. But if I can get this into you, if I can get this in your spirit, if I can get you to understand what I'm saying, making better choices, seeking God about those choices. You know, I wanted to go to, I, I, I had a job with a timeshare company. And I was really good. And you can tell that because I'm a good preacher. I can sell., $200, 250,000 dollars a year. I was 21, 20. That's a good job at 20. I was blowing money. I don't have none of that left. I played golf all over the United States. I played every championship golf course I could play. I was always broke and made $250,000 a year. Bought cars, bought stereos, because I lived at how much I made. You don't save no money unless you live less than what you make. Anyway, I'll just keep going. In the middle of all that, the Lord's dealing with me. He's been dealing with me. I've called you, 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 called you. Called you, called you. So I had to make a choice. At the time. Now listen, don't follow my lead unless it's God's lead. You know, like if I sold my car or gave my car away and you went and gave your car away and God didn't tell you to give your car away, you're going to be riding a bike. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be walking. Better get you some new shoes. That's all. <laughs> I, I heard God. And, and so I went, they offered me this huge position to take over Cancun, Mexico, or to take over another position at at, at, uh, Hilton Head Island, or go to Vail, Colorado, where they were building new timeshare companies. They wanted me to be the CEO of one of those locations. At 20, 21, I just, I had that burning thing, you know? And God's dealing with me. And I couldn't say yes, I walked into the office of the manager, I said to him, I can't do this. And of course, the next phase for that was, you're fired. You know, I mean, if you can't do that, well, we don't need you. You know, like, what's wrong with you, you crazy man? Um, and I told him, I said, I feel, feel like God has a different plan for my life. Now, I didn't know what the plan was. Are you all with me? I had no idea. So I took a job with a security job, a security company, security firm. It was called Wackenhut. Anybody ever heard of Whacking Hut? So, I took this job with Wackenhut Hut for $5.35 an hour. That's a major downturn from the previous investment. So, I, I'm now at $5.35 an hour. I go to the college, they put me at a junior college, Polk Community College. I go to this junior college. When I get to the junior college, the guy before me had wrecked the golf cart, the school was mad. They went and bought a three-wheel bicycle with an air horn. Fur, fur. <laughs> now, I went from 250 a year to a three-wheel bicycle going fur, 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 fur. <laughs> And listen, the students don't respect that. <laughs> they don't, you know, I'm mostly hid. I, you know, I could tell you so many great stories of this, but, I, but I'm... I'm how do you do this? How, how, how do you make it? That's why every one of y'all that come to me with your story, I got one better. I got a better story. I'm telling you, I got a better story. I, uh, I'm working at this college, and the Lord starts speaking to me at this college and says, I want you to go back to school. Now, had I taken the other job, I wouldn't have done this, but I felt led of the Lord to go back to school. So I went to my pastor. Now, a pastor is not the Holy Ghost. Look at your name and say, Pastor Steve's not the Holy Ghost. Every one of you have the same Holy Spirit that I have. Not a different one. I don't have more or less same Holy Ghost. And the way he speaks to me is the way he speaks to you. The only thing a pastor can do is confirm. That's it. So when you come to me and say, you know, I want to do this. I'd say, now, what's the Lord said to you? And you'll say, well, I want you to say, I'm going to say, He said nothing to me. I ain't heard a thing. But if you were to tell me the Lord's speaking to you, I could tell you, well, I can confirm that. Or I don't have that sense in my spirit, but if that's what the Lord's speaking to you, I would never lead you, never guide you. My pastor didn't. He called me. The, I talked to him and said, I think God wants me to go back to school, blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, there's a couple schools. You could look at this one. Have you looked at any of those schools? No, I know. Maybe you should do some research. And he just encouraged me. But the, I get home and the Lord gives me a scripture. I hear this scripture. Now, thank God for a church. Just to give you news about what, how important church is. And this is talking about the value of a local church. I worked in that church in the children's ministry, in the youth ministry. I played the piano in the youth room and in the children's room. I prayed for every prayer meeting. I played on the sanctuary service. I played different instruments: played drums, played, played uh, guitar, played, or I didn't play guitar. I played piano and the and the drums. Uh, I worked in the youth. I worked in children's ministry for like seven years. I was, uh, you know, I did skits and all the stuff that was in there. I sang in there. I learned all this stuff in church. Learned it all while I'm there. I start seeing this little girl we're going to college together at the University of South Florida, where God eventually leads me to. I followed this, this thing I'm about to tell you. I went home, and the Lord spoke to me after Pastor Reggie talked to me. And the Lord gave me Proverbs 18.1. Through desire, a man having separated himself seeks after an intermittent with all wisdom. It stuck. It became, see, everything you need in life is found in the Word of God. Everything you need, the answers for your life, God didn't miss one person or one thing. And so you come to church and you learn the word of God because he he has placed in the church gifts, pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and apostle. And in that place, he allows us to go work in the daily work life that we work in, go through the things we go to, come back to church, worship together, fellowship together, hear the word together. Build faith together, and our lives are improved because of the relationships we have. See, iron sharpens iron, brother Sam. But I found out if you take two pieces of iron and you start doing it, you're going to get a sharper knife. But you're also going to get some sparks. Come on, when God begins to adjust us in the church and he begins to do those things, there are sparks that occur and everything's not smooth and peachy cream and all that stuff. And I'm not talking about irregularities that relate to sin or division. I'm talking about, you know, this overall church function. And so, so, so I, I got with my pastor. I hear the word of the Lord. I followed that, went to University of South Florida. I get, I, I, this girl that was in the youth group at Family Worship Center has now grown up. She's no longer little. She's older and got lips. Oh, I didn't nobody get that. You know, when I met her, she was little. Then she grew up. And I hadn't married anybody, so I'm still (laughs) marrable. And she looked good. And so we hooked up in the church. And I prayed for God to send me somebody in the church. See, I'll tell you guys that are single in the church, y'all will start praying that God send the one that help you find the one, point you to the one, bring the one, invite the one. Don't go out in the world and date them in the bar. Date them in the church. I didn't get no shouting on that. And all this internet stuff, all y'all going on the internet and lying to each other, y'all know it's the truth. Listen, they ain't seven feet tall. they like five two. It's the truth all going out there getting them online and then you wonder what happened two years later when you're like all messed up and everything's bad and all went bad and what he told you was a lie and he doesn't own a Corvette <laughs> if the boy say he got a Corvette he better drive up in it <laughs> never, mind. never mind I preach this people get mad at me because they all faking each other out and they all faking all this stuff and faking and faking and lying and faking and lying you're going to be found out and when you found out it's going to be bad news Bad news. You better be, you'd be better off being single to marry that dude. <laughs> I'm preaching so good, man. This is one of the messages I feel real good about already. I got confirmation. I listened to the Holy Spirit, followed the Holy Spirit, and I, I started uh, moving in that direction. All of a sudden, Amy is in this church. She was a youth. I was a youth worker years ago. She's she's still younger than me, but (laughs) you know what I'm saying. I took her on like a thing, like I used to go. (laughs) This goes so crazy. I crashed weddings. I was young back then. I was young, okay. And so they would you'd go down to Tampa. When you get down there, they'd be these big balls and big ballrooms and stuff. And if you could go in and slide in. You got to eat all the food. <laughs> it was great, man. So I took her to one of these. Nobody sent me to hell. Ain't nothing in the Bible says you can't crash a wedding. She's like, oh, my God, he's crashing weddings. And <laughs> what's your point? <laughs> it was great. My, my shirt's falling out of my pants here. I, you know, I. we get down on the dock. On the ocean, we're in front of this beautiful convention center. And we're sitting there in front. Of she looked prettier than ever. I'm thinking, I got to kiss that girl. <laughs> so at this wedding where we had a great time, we go down to the beach, and I laid one on her. Wow. <laughs> because I met her in church, fell in love with her in the youth group, started dating her, ended up marrying her. The ministry got birthed into my spirit. How to do ministry. I sat and watched Pastor Reggie. I watched him, everything he did. I watch people come in; they don't watch. They don't pay attention. And they don't pay attention when you do certain things. But I watch every move he made, how he prayed for people, how he laid hands on people. I watched it all. He was so phenomenal at being a pastor. And I just watched, and I picked all that stuff up, played in prayer meetings, got involved in the youth group. So now I know how to do youth. Now I know how to do kids. Now I know how to do nurseries. Now I know how to do prayer meetings because I worked in all those areas, and I absorbed all those things. I didn't refuse anything. They wanted me to pick up trash. I was terrible at it, but I did it. I was a janitor at the church. Does anybody hear what I'm trying to say? I sold myself in, and all of a sudden I get this beautiful wife. I get called to Florence, South Carolina to build this church, build four other churches, working on a fifth. I have three kids, three amazing kids, doing amazing things, absolutely tremendous children. I got a great house, drive nice cars. I'm living well. I got money in the bank because I committed to someplace that could help move me to where God wanted to move me. Now I'm preaching really, really good. See, I, you know, we didn't understand all those things, but you have to understand why God planted you for the season, time, or duration that he plants you somewhere. God, why do you have me there? What do you want to do with me there? What is it that you want to put in me there? What are you birthing inside of me there that's what church is about church is not just a place where we come on sunday and do the duty well we gotta go to church everybody get up be there at 10 30 what what is it i mean i mean there's so much you can do so many places you can be involved and so anyway i ended up in this ministry we now have the five going on four churches it'll be five soon and all because of a local church i want to thank I know he's not listening today, but if he was, I'd want him to hear this. I want to say thank you. Listen, every day wasn't beautiful with Pastor Reggie. Every day wasn't absolutely stellar. He didn't do what I wanted every day. He wasn't everything that he should have been every day. He's a human. But I wasn't there for him. I was there for his gift. Oh, I'm preaching so good. It's the gift. It's the gifting. It's the power of the gift. See, I'll say this, and you might get upset with me. There are a lot of guys selling shoes today ought to be pastoring churches. And there are a lot of guys pastoring shoes. They ought to be pastoring churches, they ought to be selling shoes. There's something to all of this. This is when we talk about family worship center in 23 years. There's been a faithful commitment, a faithful stability to the church. It's been stable in the community. It's been stable in other communities now. It's changed lives. It's taken people and put them in ministries all over the world now. Because we've been faithful to the call. Why else do we come to church? See, the, the fact is this. is If you're physically unable to attend church, I would say to you, that's an adventure you can take online and you can have relationship through phone calls, messages, and certainly now we have online church. It is not the expectation for the rest of the church. The Bible says, I was glad, I'll let you quote it because you don't want to quote it. Are you ready? Let's all quote it together. I was glad when they said to me, let us, there's something here. There was something in seeing how good God is. Something to it. There's something about corporate worship. So preaching the words, being prepared, it helps you be prepared in season and out of season. It is to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. That's 2 Timothy 4.2. It teaches us. You're to be taught. You see, the devil comes to try people. If you don't get this, I want you to get this. You need to get this. Please get this. This is like massive instruction. If you don't get it, you know, it's like the parable you didn't get. You ready? You ready? Pay attention. Pay attention. When the devil comes, he's not after you. He's not tempting you. How the devil's been beating me up. Nope. He's not after you. He's after the word that you know. He comes to steal. Some rocks fell on good ground. Some fell on stony ground. And the devil came to steal, the Bible says, the word. Two things are available. Number one, do you have the word? Yes. Why do I go to church? Because I need to get the word to be capable when the attack comes. The devil comes like a roaring lion, seeing, seeking whom he may destroy. You are not immune from the attack of the devil. He's coming. He's bringing people to talk about you. He's bringing relationships that are negative. He's bringing dishealth or or sickness to your body. He's trying to tear up your money, and he doesn't stop. When he can't get you there, he comes to another place. When he can't get you there, he goes to another place. And if he can't get you any of those, he comes back to the one he left. Don't think you're immune. You're not immune. But what word do you have to stand on that guarantees your success when the devil comes? Start tithing. Start believing in the scripture on tithing. Start giving to God and believing that He'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. And find out if the devil doesn't come to your house and see if He can see whether or not you actually believe what you read. He's not testing you. He wants to know do you believe it? That's what He did with Eve. Oh, I know He said you're going to die, but she didn't know what she believed. And she was deceived because of the lack of understanding. I come to church so some good pastor, pat me on the back, can teach me to fight the devil and win. When you fight in the spirit, you'll win every time. If you fight in the flesh, you'll lose every time. Fight him in the spirit. I can do all things through Christ. Come on, I ought to get bigger shouting than that. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things. I'm able to succeed. I'm able to go over the top. I'm able to win. I'm able to come up. I'm able to walk through the water. Now I want you to know that. That's what God says about you. God says you're able no good thing will with I withhold from those who walk uprightly. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. I walk by faith and not by sight. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Come on, believers. Whew. By Jesus stripes Sickness can't stay, demons can't stay, devils can't stay. Shout that out. The devil can't stay. I'm the temple. Oh, I'm waiting for somebody to get up and run. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. God lives on the inside of me. Greater is he.